Thanks, husband. Hey, good morning, everybody. Great to see you guys. Uh, last week, um, you know, was a great Father's Day. How many, do you guys have a great Father's Day last week? Man, you know what is great? I, I didn't do anything. No, it's kidding. Uh, I did plenty afterwards, but I still had a chance to enjoy. And uh, we're so grateful that you guys are here. You know, um, I enjoy my kids. And when the kids were younger, you know, we always just ask them what you want to be, right? And uh, sometimes they answer a little different today than I think when I was a kid. When I was a kid, when they were asked, what do you want to be one day, we would always answer in terms of a, an occupation, right? I want to be a policeman, right? I, I want to be a farmer. I, there was, I, this is all true for me, you know, all these things. I want to be a doctor, right? And then I, I heard one guy say, you know, when he grew up, he wanted to be an astronaut, but it didn't go that well when he talked to his dad. And sort of the dad asked him, what do you want to be? He said, I want to be an astronaut. Like, and the, the dad said, you mean like Neil Armstrong, you know, who was the first guy who went to the moon? And the son said, yeah, except I'm going to be the first guy to go to the sun. And the dad kind of like rolled his eyes and said, boy, I hate to say it, but that's dumb. You're going you're gonna to get burnt. Like nothing would survive. Anything would be burned. And it said, dad, I'm not that dumb. You're dumb. I'm going at night. Right? And so... You know, sometimes there's that childlike uh, kind of logic that goes on. And this morning, uh, we're going to take a look at a short book because we're in this series, right? Uh, short Stories of Good News. Uh, it's a short book, but with a big message. And, and the thrust of it is, is how to grow up in some sense, how to grow up in the faith. And, and because the thing is that growing up in the faith has wonderful opportunities and wonderful privileges, but there are some warnings along the way. You know, just like for us that when we uh, raise kids, is that sometimes we're in that place that we, we see great, you know, blessing and great opportunity, but at the same time, we do need to caution them about some of the dangers that we don't kind of get off uh, the road, right? And so that's what we're going to find together. Um, the book of Second John, just to give you a little bit of background, uh, it's, it, we're calling these books, or it's, these books are called uh, epistles, and what they are is letters. So when you read the New Testament, you'll see the first uh, portion of it is filled with all the Gospels. It's the stories, what, of the, the life and mission, the death and resurrection of Christ. We see all those things played out. And, uh, and then we see uh, the instruction and in how to live that out. And these are, are all technically letters, even though some of them are quite long uh, and then some of them are quite short. Second John is one of the, the second shortest book in the Bible, right? It, it is only 245 words in the original languages. And so the, all this would have been like not just like a letter it's almost like a postcard size you know uh, kind of a thing but within that postcard we're going to see a lot of information now uh, one of those things that we might get confused about if you're not that familiar with the Bible yet is if you look at John in the index in your Bible or on your Bible app you will find there's four Johns that are in there right the gospel of John that tells right the story and mission of Jesus uh, so we're not looking at that and then three letters it's called 1st John, 2nd John, and 3rd John, right? And so 1st John is still rather lengthy, has five chapters in it, but 3rd John is just like 12 verses. And so that's what we're looking at this morning. Uh, the Apostle John was an old man at this point. And how many of you guys know, uh, how many of you guys have old men that tell long stories? 
Right? You guys know some old men, and you better not be talking about me in the back. So, uh, but, uh, you know, so there are these kind of situations, but he's going to tell the story really short, right? And so he has a very special position. An apostle walked with Jesus, uh, seen Jesus from, from when he was a teenager, and now he's a wizened, old, and godly man. And he's writing basically to his spiritual kids, right? He's writing to that next generation and the generation that's beyond them. And we're going to read this out loud. The whole book today, because it's 12 verses, it's not long, uh, but would you be kind enough, let's stand together and let's uh, read the Word of God, starting in verse 1, and then we'll explain a little bit along the way. Ready? Let's read. This letter is from John the Elder. I am writing to the chosen lady and to her children, whom I love in the truth, as does everyone else who knows the truth. Because the truth lives in us and will be with us forever, grace, mercy, and peace, which come from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, will continue to be with us who live in truth and love. And what we find in this introduction, this uh, kind of a, a greeting that we find, he's writing, it says, to the chosen lady. This is, and let's not think in terms of a special uh, person, per se, but the chosen lady is really kind of more of a, a metaphor for the church, right? The church is called the bride of Christ. And so uh, that, that, would you know this, that, that all of us who belong to Christ, that you're chosen by God. And so he's saying, I'm writing to the chosen people, the church, the the, the bride of Christ and, and to those uh, who come under your shelter that I'm writing to you in love and he says because of this I want you to have grace, mercy, and peace. Let's say those words grace, mercy, and peace, right? So grace if you're not familiar sometimes we get confused grace and mercy what's the difference? Grace is receiving something you didn't earn or you don't deserve, right? Mercy is the opposite not getting what you deserve, right? How many of us that we deserve the licking sometimes from our parents, but we didn't get it on those, uh, on, on those good days, right? And that's mercy. So God has both grace and mercy for you. When you get grace and mercy, you know what you get? Peace, right? So before you're seated, do me a favor. Just would you tell your neighbor, tell somebody right around you, a grace, mercy, and peace to you today. And then you can have a seat. Grace, mercy, and peace. And so... He's starting out just to say this. I want you guys to know that I'm praying blessings over you. I'm praying grace for you. I'm praying mercy for you. I'm hoping that you have peace today. We said the same thing today. And we want to tell people, we want to tell our neighbor that. You know why? Because sometimes, isn't the world stressful? Sometimes, isn't the world, that, that, uh, if you look around in all the situations, sometimes we don't have that peace. And so, when we understand the fact that God still has a grace for us, God still has mercy for us, and the people that you love, and the people that you're concerned about, that God has a grace and a mercy for them. Now, they might not be always in the place of receiving it yet, but that, that's our prayer, isn't it? Right? And if we had probably for some of us, I'm guessing, that we're praying. That there was a theme uh, in, in, in the group I was praying with, right? That we're, we're praying for family, right? We're praying for bringing people before a throne of grace today. But he, start, he goes on uh, from there and he says this. He says, how happy I was to meet some of your children and find them living according to the truth, just as the Father 
has commanded. You know that when you have expectations for your kids, that that you're happy when they kind of meet those expectations, right? Like if you have an expectation that they'll do well in sports, they do well in sports, aren't you happy, right? That we go to the practice field and we see them in the game and it's like, man, it, it just brings a, a, a level of joy. If you have an expectation that uh, they're gonna do well in school and then they're going and, and doing well, they're applying themselves, they're stretching themselves, right? And you see them learning and we're happy, right? Now, here's one thing that, that that uh, John is saying this is his highest expectation because it brings him great joy. He says that I found some of your kids walking in the truth. And so the, the, the command or the, the, uh, the desire he has, that, that, and I think it's the same desire he would have for us today uh, in, in, in our church, is to be faithful to the truth. To be faithful to the truth. Because what brings you the greatest joy, right, will be the, the things that you, your greatest hopes. And so, you know, when I was talking to um, my kids, uh, I was talking to one of the kids, and we were, we were talking about, like, what he wanted to be. And his response was, you know, because I said that used to be a, a, an occupation. But what do you want to be? You know what the response was? Rich. <laughs> I go, that, that's not like a thing, right? That's like, a, that's, that's, a, that's a, a kind of an attendant feature of what you can do, right? And, and uh, he says, well, what if, I, you know, I want to invest? And I, what if, like, one day I'm rich like Warren Buffett? We, would you be proud? And we said, hey, you know, we'll be proud of you if you're an upstanding and, and uh, a God-seeking man, you know, a man of character. We'll be proud of you regardless. But, but he said that, you know, but it's money is is important, right? I said, yeah, money is important, but but we had a discussion. It's not just money, but sometimes it's how you get it, right? Because if you were a, a, a drug dealer or you were taking advantage of people, it would be hard for us to be proud of you even if we loved you, right? That Because that, that's not something we wanted for you or reproduced for you. Uh, but I also said, but if you had a lot of money, we would still spend it. But, uh, you know, but, and no, I didn't say that. You know, I'm a, I'm a pastor, right? So I was just thinking it. No, but... Uh, <laughs> So, but you know, the thing is that we, you know, we're joking around, but this aspect is because we want you to be faithful to, to the gospel. We want you to be faithful to God, right? So what does it mean to be faithful to the truth? And, and it means to walk in it. And so he's talking about, I, I see you walking. We talked about walking with God um, last week and, and how walking with God is, is, is walking in the truth, right? It's, it's because the truth is, is both a, it's, it's a who, it's, it's a what, and it's a how. The who is with Jesus, right? He says that when we're walking with Jesus, so we saw that um, in the Old Testament, we saw people in their greatest blessings, like when they had a kid, and we saw people invite God into their work life, and we saw when God invited, was invited to kind of reinventing themselves. But it was with a who, right? And so, but there's also a what to it. Uh, because it's, what it is, is that aspect is, is the teachings of the scriptures. It's the correct uh, uh, understanding of it. It's, it's, it's having uh, right beliefs because it is also about what God's word says. It's not simply that I have a relationship with Jesus apart from my understanding in the word of God. Because if not, all I am left with, if I don't understand the word, then all I 
am left with is my philosophies and I'm left with my imagination and feelings. And so how many of you guys have ever gone off track with your imaginations and your feelings, right? And so God says he, he gives us the word to speak to us the truth. In fact, uh, I, I don't have it written down, but 1 Timothy 4.16 says this. And so, uh, Timothy, I want you to watch very closely your life and your doctrine. The what you believe and how you live, right? And so, the, the who is Jesus, the what is what you believe, and the, the other part is how you live, right? Because this is where walking with God is involved, not simply like when we're here, but walking with God is, is not at, just at your your job or in your greatest blessings, but sometimes it's how you spend your downtime, right? It, it's, it's, it's what you do in your relationship. Uh, sometimes it's the thing that brings you the greatest stress, right? Um, and some of you are sitting next to your greatest joy or maybe your greatest stress, right? And so in the midst of that, because sometimes relationships are like that or, you know, finances or whatever the, the case will be, that this is what he said, invite Jesus into that. So you're walking with Jesus, why? Because the thing is that whatever you're going through, it's not your destination. Can we just say that? Some of you right now that you're in the middle of a, a difficult season, that there's, a, there's this thing that this is not God's will for you, but God has a will for you to get through the season, right? It's like walking through the valley of the shadow of death. He says, that's not your destination, right? but it's something that all of us will pass through. And so would you know that he'll walk with you through those moments. But what you believe about God, what you believe about the will of God, what you believe about God's word will influence the way that you live and the way that you, the, the, way, the quality of your life. And so we need to understand this portion, right? Because um, the hard part about it is all of us believe incorrect things about God. Right, I, I, this is my this is my theory because I saw it played out in my own life that I think everybody believes incorrect things about God. We just don't know it, right? And so you know, when I was a, a younger believer, I believed all kind of crazy stuff about God. I didn't know I didn't know God because I wasn't raised in, uh, in the faith. But here's the thing: is that as as I grew, it became exposed, and I'm going to talk about that a little later. But regardless of those things, you know what he's calling us to do? He's, he's going to call us to do two big thing, themes in this book is truth and the other one is love. And those two always should be paired together. So he talks about truth, but then he also talks about love. And let's read what it says uh, in the following verses. Verses five and six. He says this, I am writing to remind you, dear friends, that we should what? Love one another. This is not a new commandment, but one we had from the beginning. And, and it's this very same commandment that Jesus gave us on the night before his crucifixion, right? He, he tells, I'm going to give you a new commandment at that time. He says, love one another. And then he explains what that means. He says, love means doing what God has commanded us, and he has commanded us to love one another. In other words, it's not just a feeling. It, it's how you treat people. It's not just the feeling, it, it, it's, it's what you do, just as you heard from the beginning. Now, I think he emphasizes truth because truth is important because it'll, op, it'll determine how we live and how we think about God will determine our actions, but it also needs to be tied with love because you can be truthful without loving. 
You know, what that feels like usually feels like judgment though, right? That when, that you're truthful, you're truthful, but there's no love in it. It's, it's a hard truth, right? It, it's a, there's a hard edge to it. It's sometimes it, it, it hurts, you know, people's feelings. Sometimes it, it discourages people. Sometimes people, that, they're speaking words of truth without love, it, it, it pushes people down. It doesn't really lift them up. And so God says this thing that we need to tie it with love. Now, you, I, I really believe this is that we might act loving, but we're not really loving if we are not having truth in our love. Because you can have truth without love, but I don't think you can real, have real love without truth, right? Because otherwise we're, we're, we're not in love, or we're not loving, we're like an infatuation. Right, or we're pretending to love. And it's sort of like this. Um, you know, I, I think that we will sometimes not be truthful, um, but it's, it's basically more like politeness, right? Like if somebody, you went to somebody's house and they, they had their favorite family recipe and they, they gave it to you and you say, what is, how does it taste? And you eat it and it's like, you've never tasted anything like this in your life and your stomach is churning. Do you say this food is making me sick and I want to spit it out? Probably not, right? Probably not. Why? We're going to be a little polite. We're going to say, oh, uh, it's, it's interesting. No, like, I mean, you might say whatever that you, you say, but you, you, you're not going to just say, I don't like it, right? You're generally, we will find a polite way to say it. Now, is, is that loving? You know, it, it definitely could be, right? It definitely could be. But, but we, what we wouldn't want to say is, I love it when we don't, Right? Because that's not being truthful. Now, it would be, it's like, oh, maybe, maybe I've never, you know, I'm not used to this kind of food or whatever the case would be. But sometimes we're, there's this aspect, right? So we want to be loving, but we cannot be untruthful in that process. And so the scriptures gives us things along the way that, that paint a picture what it means to love. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 5, 11, it says this, encourage one another and build one another up. In other words, that when God gives you spiritual authority, he says this, it's to build one another up, not tear one another down, right? So sometimes people will, if you get a little bit of power, you get a little bit of authority, that it's not to push people down, it's to pull people up. Right? And so that's what he says, encourage one another. How many of you could use a little encouragement today? Right? Because to be honest, the world doesn't necessarily build you up. So in, in Christ, that's what he does. The other thing it says, accept one another. Romans 15, seven, accept one another. The other half of that verse is this, just as Christ accepted you. When Jesus accepted you, were you totally living the most godly life that there was? Probably not, right? That, did you believe everything correct about God when God accepted you? No, he didn't. It's the fact that he accepted you made you want to change. The fact that he accepted you made you want to know this God. And so we can accept people without really kind of swallowing all that they believe and all that they're living, right? Because some of us, we have friends, we have family members, that we have neighbors that, to be honest, they're, they're kind of on the edge. But you know, the thing is that we can accept them because that's how God accepted us, right? That they're gonna see the love of God by that. So this is what he's saying, love one another. Sometimes people come in with, with 
like a lot of a, a lot of trouble as well. Sometimes it's we're, we're carrying burdens. Now everybody in life has their own burden to carry, but when it's overwhelming, this is what the command is. He says, "Bear one another's burdens, and thus fulfill the law of Christ." And so when people come in, I, I, I cannot, I'm not saying that we can take away everybody's pain and we can fix every situation. That's not what I'm saying. Because sometimes I'm, I hear stories that are very difficult. But this is what it means, is that we won't want to let you walk alone in that situation. We're going to do our best to come alongside and support you and strengthen you in the journey. And so it's in that aspect that I think that people won't hopefully feel alone because they're going to see the body of Jesus come together because that guy or that gal came alongside. And they're going to sense God's presence in that. And then we pray for one another, right? Now, there's one other aspect that, that he specifically will talk about, but it's this aspect of hospitality. It says it like this in Romans 12, 13. Let's read what it says. It says this. I think it's in your notes. If it's not, I don't know. Oh, there it is. It says, share with the Lord's people who are in need, practice hospitality. Now, we have a hospitality team, and they're going to have some wonderful food outside. In fact, today they had chili and rice, so I had a chili and rice breakfast, and I'm going to have a chili and rice snack right after this, right? So, uh, but, and that's what we, you know, that's our hospitality team, but, and that is, that's part of hospitality, right? You're going to get a, either a cold cup of water or a hot cup of coffee, right? We're, we're going to offer something that, that we don't want you to come uh, and leave empty-handed, right? So, there's this aspect, but hospitality in Bible times was there's a little bit more to it than that because um, when people traveled there there wasn't like you know there wasn't like McDonald's and uh, you know Burger King and Jack in a Box along the way so if they were hungry there there wasn't a fast food place there wasn't a restaurant to go to Uh, sometimes people stayed in inns now the inn is a very don't think of Holiday Inn right but the inn was probably like more like a house but they made a, a practice of it, having people over. But, but inns back then were sketchy places. When a place was an inn, innkeepers had a reputation of, of being thieves so that they would go through your stuff. They would steal something. They were rat infested or, or um, you know, flea infested. So on Yelp, they would get zero stars, right? Like you, you would be like, oh, no, and you would have a post underneath. But, but so how people handled that is when they traveled, they actually looked for just people, regular people, to house them. Now, why would you do that? Because, you know, part of this aspect of hospitality, it's big still in the Middle East today, but, but back then to, to the people of God, it was like, hey, I took you in, and when you were wandering in the desert, I brought you to homes that you did not build, and so I want you to express and pay that kindness back. Right? I want you to understand that people are in this kind of a situation. Now, when the church began to grow, what, what began to happen is as Christians moved around, they would sometimes take a letter from their home church and say that I, I'm a real believer, you know, by the way. And, and so can you take me in? This is kind of basically kind of like my evidence of that. And the reason why they did that is because if you are taught to be, 
encouraging and accepting and you bear one another's burdens and you pray for one another and you're hospitable, right? That you know what? There's going to be people who want to come in and take advantage of that, right? And they're going to pretend in order to gain some advantage. I wish we could say that we've never seen that, but the reality is we've seen it. And even in our church, right? The people who have come in and, and say, hey, you know, like, yeah, I got this business. And, and the reality is they're basically trying to get people's money, right? And so this is how, you know, a Christian, this is like he didn't have a business, but he said he was starting a business. But when you have a business, if it's, some people says it's a Christian business, I don't really care so much that they, have, they say they're Christian. I look if they do a good job, right? Because if you're not doing a good job, when you're not saying, you're not sending the message. But the thing is that sometimes people will use that to take advantage of people. We're gonna see this principle, uh, this is the part of, of growing up a little bit, that, that sometimes we, we say, hey, people aren't always what they seem, right? And so this is what he says in verse seven. I say this because many deceivers have gone out into the world and they deny that Jesus came in a real body. Such a person is a deceiver and an antichrist. Now, when he's saying an antichrist, it's not saying the antichrist. So like if his head was shaved, you're not gonna see 666 on it, right? It's just a person who rejects the authority of Jesus, a person who rejects the message, but not only that, but that he's intending to deceive other people. And when it's talking about that they deny that Jesus Christ came in a real body, it's a, it's a kind of uh, a philosophy, it's a kind of uh, doctrine that was common at that time uh, that was called doceticism. If those of you guys, some of you guys, you, you like to know this, uh, the theological thing. Doceticism is really a denial that Jesus had a physical body because they thought that the physical world is corruptible and human beings in general have a tendency to sin, right? And so because of that, God couldn't have sin in him, that the spirit was divine, but it just looked like he had a body. Now, what's the problem with that? The problem with that is if Jesus didn't really have a real body, then he didn't really die on the cross, right? And if he didn't really die on the cross for our sins, then we don't really have forgiveness for our sins. If he didn't really die on the cross for our sins, then he didn't really resurrect from the grave, right? It just looked like he resurrected. But you know what? You and I, do you have a real body? Yeah, you have a real body, right? And so what does that mean? That, that, that my sin doesn't get really forgiven or that, that there is no real resurrection? So this is a, the problem, right? So. So here's the thing, that's the, that's the thought of the day back then, but, um, but sometimes there's stuff like that out now, right? And so this is what he's saying, that sometimes we need to be careful, right? We need to be careful about what we believe, why? Because it says that it's gonna affect the way that we live. Now sometimes, and I said that we all have incorrect thoughts, I did too. One of the things I, I believed incorrectly was, uh, and I was uh, starting in the ministry at that time, that I was thinking that, that Jesus, I know Jesus was God, and I knew he was a real human being, because he ate, and he was hungry, and he was thirsty, and he got sleepy, he got tired, all that, and so, 
I thought this is what happened. When Jesus was born, he had a physical body, but that he had a divine spirit. And so until I took this class that taught me that said this, that said, that's a heresy. And I go, and I didn't understand why. Because if you say that Jesus only had a, div, a human body, but a divine spirit, then he didn't, he wasn't a real human being because real human beings also have a human spirit. So why didn't I believe that? Because it didn't make sense to me. How do you have a human spirit and a divine spirit and one body? Well, the, the scriptures actually paint a picture that Jesus was fully human and fully God, but one person. You guys get that? Fully God, let's say that, fully God, fully human, but one person, right? So Jesus wasn't like schizophrenic, you know, it's not like he is like, hey, sometimes I act out of my divinity, sometimes I act out of my humanity. And so now when I heard that, this is what the picture says, but it didn't make sense to me. So I said it the other way, right? Now, what's the difference? You guys wanna know the difference between a heretic and a person who doesn't think correctly about something? This is what I learned, it's correctability. Right? Because all of us, we're going to believe something that's incorrect about God. That was one of mine, right? But when I heard the truth, even though logically at first it didn't make sense to me, right? That I, I rejected it. But I was correctable, right? I was correctable. And so the difference between these guys that he's talking about is they're not correctable. In fact, they demand that other people believe that. And so they need to be careful, right? We need to be careful about that. Because we're loving and because we're accepting doesn't mean you take everything that's taught to you. Doesn't mean that you accept everything that's said or, or each person. So this is, the, this is the instruction that we'll find. He's asking us, guard your faith and your home. That, that you're responsible to guard your faith and guard your home. This is part of growing up, is that we recognize, you know, like when your kids are, are young, isn't that like a, it's great that you want them to have uncles and aunties, but isn't that a little bit sad that you gotta say that when we go to the store that, um, you know, you don't go with strangers, right? That's kind of a, we, that's like a sad part you gotta tell the kids and, you know, when we go to different places, right, that you gotta tell them to be careful. This is what he's saying. We, you gotta be careful at the same time. He goes on, he says this, watch out that you do not lose what we have worked so hard to achieve. Be diligent so that you receive your full reward. He doesn't want someone to kind of give up their faith because they walk in a wrong direction. Anyone who wanders away from this teaching has no relationship with God, but anyone who remains in the teaching of Christ has a relationship both with the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to your meeting and does not teach the truth about Christ, don't invite that person into your home or give any kind of encouragement. Anyone who encourages such people become a partner in their evil work. Don't end up supporting what is evil just because you practice kindness and love, but in an in a undiscerning way, 
right? Is that the kind of an instruction? That's a little bit of a, that's a little bit of a grow up time because sometimes we, we can be at a place where we say, hey, I just wanna love everybody the same, right? But the reality is you don't love everybody the same, right? You don't love your husband or your wife the same as you, you love your coworker. I hope that's not the case, right? Could that be, <laughs> then that's what marriage night is for. No, but like, um, you love them in a different way, right? So we, we don't love our kids the same way we l- love our spouse. We don't love our, our neighbor, right, the same way. We, there's different things. We love them in an appropriate way. And so I'm not saying, because Jesus didn't say, hate your enemies. He said, love your enemies. So we can pray for them, right? But we ought not to kind of embrace them. Does that make sense? Because what he wants us to be careful of is the teaching that you will uh, end up embracing. Because it will, what you believe about God will one day determine different ways that you live and an expression in your life. For instance, there is a, a person, I read this quote that said, he said this. He said, if God doesn't exist, if God doesn't exist, then why should I deny myself whenever I in, encounter these kind of earthly impulses, right? There's no reason why I need to deny myself. Now, you know who said that? Jeffrey Dahmer. And he is very well aware that what you think about God will influence your actions. Unfortunately, people paid with their lives, right? And he ended up paying with his, right? But this was his thought about God. It influenced his actions. And maybe, you know, when we see what's going on in our world today and we see kind of the craziness in the world today, but what are people being told? Hey, there's no God, you're your own God, or whatever it is that you don't have to answer to God. And so what are people doing? They're just living out whatever their impulses say. And so what we understand is that when we had right understanding about God, it doesn't just shape our behavior and shape our morals, but, but it, it turns us into different people. It, it changes us with the power of the Holy Spirit in conjunction, changes us, it grows our character. But what do you have to do to guard your house? You have to understand what you let in your house is what you will live with, right? What you let in your house is what you'll live with. I have, a, I have two cats at my house. You know why? Because I ended up feeding them, <laughs> right? Once you have a cat, once you feed it, it's yours, right? So that's is what I've learned, right? So that what you let into your house, that's what you're going to live with, right? So we have two cats in our house, right? Now, the thing is that what you have to guard then in your house are people, right? Who you let in your house, presence, the kind of spirit you let in your house, philosophies, the kind of teaching you let in your house, what um, uh, posture or the attitude that you bring in your house and practices, the things that go on in your house. That we're all called to, to watch these kinds of things. Right? Because, you know, if somebody comes and knocks on the door and says, hey, you know, I'm raising uh, funds for a mission and, you know, I, I, I want to be supportive and, and I have been. And, and, but, you know, to be honest, nowadays I ask for what kind of group, can I see the literature, I read the thing. And, you know, there have been cults that have come to the door, right, have come to the door asking for money. The last thing I want to do is, is give money to a cult, right? 
And uh, because they're not embarrassed to ask, right? In fact, they're trying to hide these things and couch it. So I read it carefully. And I, sometimes I've called the number, right? And I, I, I talk to a person because people will come. They are looking and to some of the people who, whether not always cults or not always false teaching, but sometimes just people who are trying to pray financially on the kindness of believers, right? We ought to be wise. The, the Jesus said for us to be as gentle as doves, but what? As wise as serpents. So we need to be discerning in this aspect because when you invite that kind of a person, you invite that kind of a spirit into your home. The thing that we ought to manage well in our house is what's the spirit in our home? What's, what's kind of like the mood or the atmosphere in our home? If you have a, like an angry kind of a tone in your house, you don't have to have that, right? If you have a, a discouraging or kind of a dark tone in your house, that's not what God wants to bring in your house. The, the, the scripture it says to us that when Jasmine said today, it's like when we prayed, it's like there was a change in the atmosphere. Sometimes we need to change the atmosphere Atmosphere. You need, some of us, we need to change the climate in our home by what we, by what we do, by what, who we let in, by what we do in our house, right? But, but you know what? Worship in your house, right? Play, play music that, that, in, that lifts your spirit, not drags you down. You know, I, uh, going to the, the gym, nowadays not so much at 24 hours, but in the old days, you know, you go to a gym and there would just be like, super hard driving rock, kind of like, you know, like all the power chords. I, I, I grew up with that kind of power chord rock, right, hard rock. And it's like, it was great because it just pumped you up, right? And then later on, it was rap music. And I would go into the gym and I just like, you're listening to all this music, you're getting angry, right? You know what I mean? Like, like I got to get angry at this. Like, that's not the spirit I want to walk out with, right? That's not the mood I want to have in my house. And that's not the mood I want to bring back to my house either. Anybody here ever have a bad day at work? Oh, theoretically. No, but you know, like, yeah, we've all had a bad day at work, right? I, I don't know what your bad day is. Sometimes it's the traffic going in or the traffic coming home. Sometimes it's the, the client that you dealt with or a, a disagreement with your boss or whatever it is, right? But can I give you, like, this is a bad day for me. I, I ministered to a family who lost a child. That's a bad day because they're angry they're grieving, right? They're, they're, they're devastated, and I understand that. I, you know, I'm a human being too, so I walk into that, I'm affected by that, right? And I'm, but I'm trying to bring hope and encouragement and comfort, but sometimes I'm just listening. I'm just being with them, right? And, um, and to be honest, I, I'm a dad too. So w when people, you walk with that, sometimes we wonder what would we do? How would we handle it? If I lost a child, it would be devastating, right? So I'm driving home, kind of like carrying this thing. And I cannot walk into the house depressed or discouraged or just kind of heavy. And, and the kids, you know, at that time, the kids, you know, kind of younger. So like, Daddy, come home and be like this. Hey, get away from me. I, I, I'm not in the mood. You know what I mean? I didn't want to bring that into my house. So this is what I do on the drive when I have a hard time. I am taking all of those burdens that have, I've taken on my shoulder and I'm giving all that to Jesus. I'm saying, you know, Lord, that family, my friends that are there, 
I know I cannot change that situation. I cannot take away their hurt, but I'm, I'm bringing them before you, before the throne of grace. Would you pour out your grace on them? I cannot carry this load. It is too heavy for me. I'm just, I'm, I'm giving it to you. I'm discharging all of that as I'm driving. That's what I'm doing. I'm praying. I'm trying to kind of give that to God. There's times I pull up into my driveway and I know I'm still carrying stuff and I just don't want to walk in and be like so distracted or angry or whatever. And so to be honest, literally, I will stay in my car and I will lay all that at, at, at Jesus' feet before I get out and go in the house. And literally, I will at times put my hand on the wall and say, Lord, if I need to pick, because sometimes you got to pick this up again, right? But I don't want it to ruin the rest of my night with my family. I, I literally will put it on the, like I put my hand on the door uh, uh, outside and I say, Lord, I'm going to hang this here the best that I can. If you want me to pick it up tomorrow when I leave, uh, I'll do that. And you know why? Because I want to change my attitude when I walk in the house. That makes sense? Because I am responsible for the attitude and the spirit in my own home, right? And so he's talking about this in the church. Be careful that what you're, what the people and the presence, the philosophies and teachings, your attitude and your practices. So for some of us, uh, can I just ask this? It's just maybe in your own house. What do you watch? What do you listen to? You know, what do you watch on, uh, what do you watch on TV or cable or, or, or streaming, Netflix or whatever it is? What are you watching in, on social media and, and the voices that you listen to, whether it's a podcast or the books that you read, the music that you listen to, right? Because all of us have a, a, a propensity towards something, right? All of us have a leaning towards something. Anybody here that you grew up watching like super spooky movies? Anybody grew up watching super spooky movies? Yeah, I, I did too. We loved them. You know, but they were terrifying. Like literally in Wahiwa, I used to run home with the, from, the, from the theater because we didn't want to walk home. We were like 10 years old back then. You just go by the movies, to the movies with your, by your friends, with your friends, by yourself. Like my parents didn't go. But when you watch those spooky movies, we used to end up running home sometimes because we'd be scared, you know, on the way home, right? I kind of, that adrenaline rush from watching all that stuff. But later on, you know what, that was the hard part of that is that led me to do other things like, like uh, you know, we would go to places and, you know, go to that, like the Heiau, go to like the places that dare stuff. And, and we had experiences, right? And played like Ouija board, all that stuff. I needed deliverance from those things when I came to Jesus. I didn't realize it when I came to Jesus, but there was a lot of kind of leftover stuff on me. I needed to clear that off. I don't know if that makes sense, right? And so I, everybody has that, but even now, if I'm not careful, like there's a spooky, spooky movie, there's a little bit of one to watch that. But I, you know why I don't want to watch it? I don't want to let that in my house. I don't want to let that in my soul. Right? I don't want to let, I don't want to have an opening to those kinds of things. What is it for you? For many men, it's what we watch physically, right, that, that can pull our hearts that way. You know, I was talking with my kids uh, about that. I said, hey, uh, I, I'm both my boys, and they're young men now, but when they were in their teens, I'd say, hey, what are you going to do if your friend shows you on his phone and there's like videos of naked ladies? 
And you know, I'm talking to my kids, right? So they're super uncomfortable. What the heck is dad talking about, right? So I wouldn't look at it. I wouldn't look at it. I don't want to see that. And I said to them, you know, if I saw it, you know what's going to, you know what, how dad would be? I would want to look at it. I would want to look at it. Because once I see it, it's like something like a magnet that's drawing you to that. And, and so this is, why, this is why we don't have that stuff in our house. Because if we had that stuff in our house, I would want to look at it. In other words, I put a guardrail around it. Because I know I will never, I'm not, I'm not struggling with porn, but if it was right in front of me, I would want to look at it. And if you are just being a boy, that's what you're going to want to do. So let's not pretend you're not going to want to do it. You're going to want to do it. That's why you don't let it on your phone. That makes sense? Right? That's what I'm telling my kids because that's the reality. They're going to want to look at it, right? And so would I. So I have to have a guardrail around my house. If you've ever driven down the road and uh, late at night and you're a little tired, you guys ever been driving and all of a sudden you go like, and then you wake up? You guys know what I'm talking? You hit those reflectors on the thing. Before you hit the reflector, usually there's a line. But you don't feel anything when you cross the line. It's visual, right? Until you hit those reflectors, and then what happened? There's a little vibration, right? And that's a wake-up call. Some of us, when you cross the line, you don't feel a thing. It's a visual thing. You see that you cross the line. You don't feel the effects until you hit the reflectors. If you ignore the reflectors, hopefully there is a guardrail, right? But even if there is a guardrail, if you hit it, it's a wreck. But the hope is you're still alive, right? God doesn't want you to have a wreck in your life. So this is what he'll do. He'll place reflectors. And sometimes you cross a line. You know you cross a line. You just don't care that you cross the line because there's no effect. But this is when you're hitting those reflectors, you're feeling the shaking. Right? Relationships, people, your, something about your job, your, your peace, all of that. You start feeling the shaking. My guess is this morning, some of us, we're feeling the shaking. Would you take that as God's grace for you because he's trying to avoid a wreck in your life? Right? And so this is this aspect that we need to be careful. We need to put up our guard. This is how I know. This is one of the things I say um, how I check if I know that should I be doing something or not be doing something, is I ask myself this, how do I feel when I'm doing it and how do I feel after it? Like, for instance, I, I used to get together with some friends and uh, we went through this kind of a situation together where it, it was, you know, it was a hard situation. And, and so afterwards they were complaining about it and ended up turning from kind of, commiserating together to complaining and then to gossip and like I after a while I felt like this I, I came back from that time of getting together with those friends which was started out just talking story and laughing to later on at the end of that conversation I felt like I needed to take a shower you know what I mean I just felt dirty like oh my gosh why am I participating they're pastors too right how many of you guys know that doesn't matter right if you don't listen to the warnings Right? You kind of step up past the line. And so I just said, oh, you know what? I cannot do that anymore. Right? And I needed to, I needed to tell them, and I needed to just kind of avoid that situation 
till kind of they got over it. Then we used to hang out again, right? But this is how it says it in the scriptures, in Galatians 5.19. Because whatever you do will either lift you up, sometimes it's flat, but, but to be honest, sometimes it's neutral, but, but oftentimes it's negative. Because it's this, ask yourself this, when you do whatever it is, and when you experience whatever it is that you let into your house, how do you feel? Does it inflame your sinful nature? or does it inflame your spirit? Does it raise your spirits, or does it bring you down? He says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are really clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension. Dissension means division and discord, right? And then the next word, it says division. The literal translation of that is cutting in half? Is it cause separation? Is it cause separation of, of, uh, of, of spouses? Separation in, in, in relationships? Envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these, right? Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. If I feel more inclined to these things, sometimes I think, I, I don't think I should be letting that in my house. I don't think I should be watching that on my phone because uh, I, I see its effect. That makes sense? That's my encouragement to you, that, that place the guardrails, know the guardrails, but, but place some things around you because you have to have a filter in this world because there's a lot of things that will offer you for free until you're hooked, right? Free has a price, right? Free has a price. So um, in the old days, we just used to say this, garbage in, garbage out, right? Because what you think and what you let into your mind and what you let into your heart, it's gonna somehow express itself in your life over time, amen? And then he goes on, he's gonna come to this close and he says this, I have much more to say to you, but I don't wanna do it with paper and ink, for I hope to visit you soon and talk with you, what? Face to face, right? Because uh, um, writing a letter, that was, you know, that was the greatest technology they had to communicate with people who aren't face to face. Today we have streaming. Uh, today you, you can uh, social media, you can Zoom, you can FaceTime, right? You can do whatever. You can connect uh, over uh, vast distances. But he's saying something. He's saying that, that a lot of things are best communicated through relationship, not just through technology. And so he's saying this, that although I have more to say, I, there's some things I just wanna get together and w w let's just talk. And he says, what? Then our joy will be complete. And so we encourage people to get together face to face. Why? Because one is, isn't it, don't you receive the truth a little different in person than you do just watching online, right? Uh, the, the fact that you can pray together. We had a prayer circle in here. And um, last night I, I got to pray with some folks of some pretty heavy stuff. And I just put my hand on my friend's shoulder and we, we came, be the, brought it before the Lord and claimed in the authority. I said, you know, the thing is that if you had sent that in as a text, we would pray for it just the same. But you would never have heard the prayer, right? and you would never have had that hand on your shoulder, right? And you would never have sensed that sense of community, right? But we would have prayed for you. 
You just would have known, right? And so that's why we're asking you guys, come join us, right? Because that's, there's this aspect, face to face. And the other thing is this. So that you can't receive the message as fully as you do in person, but the other thing is you cannot be the hand like some of you were in our prayer circle on somebody else's shoulder, right? That, that you're not just, your joy is not complete, but somebody else's joy could be fuller, right, in that face-to-face. And so that's what he says. Sometimes we're standing and we're bearing one another's burden. Sometimes we're rejoicing in the good things. And sometimes just the fact that we're doing life together. That's what he's saying. And so that's the message. Does that make sense? Short book, but pretty big message. Let's bow our heads. We're going to close in a word of prayer. Oh, before I do, I'm sorry. I want to I just share this thing. This is, why does he say face-to-face? Sorry, I meant to share this. Because this is, this is God's heart, face-to-face. This is the benediction. This is the blessing that Moses prays for the people of Israel. That he says this, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine on you. And may he give you his favor and give you his peace. Because you know this, this aspect of face-to-face, may God look at you that when you're struggling, you know what God doesn't do? This is what God doesn't do. He doesn't say, don't, I can't look at you. I can't stand you. That's not how God does it. He pronounces blessing. I want to see you face-to-face. Would you know that when you're struggling, God's showing you his face? We're just not seeing him because we're looking the other way, right? And so... He's saying this, that God's heart for you is to have a face-to-face relationship. And so he's saying, how do you do this? Have a face-to-face relationship with people. Okay, let's close, let's pray. Father, we're thankful, the encouragement to, to be faithful to the truth because the truth has always been faithful to us. Lord, it was true before we believed it. It's true now that we believe it. And Father, that we're thankful that truth is a guard for us. But Father, we also know that we ought to love today. Father, if there's some people right now we're struggling to love, Lord, we don't have to change them. That's not our responsibility. That Lord, you call us to love them. You, you call us to encourage them, to, to accept them, to stand with them, bear their burdens. But yet at the same time, God, give us wisdom. We need discernment. Because some of us, we ought not to embrace so that it, it changes you. That some of us, Lord, that, that there are things that you want us to watch that we let into our lives or we let into our homes. And if you're here this morning and then you're feeling the bumps because you're driving on that place, you're past the line. God's saying this. Would you just move a little more toward the center? Move closer to me. Father, we're thankful that in all of these things, you give us grace and mercy. Would your peace guard your people's hearts as your face shines on you? We want to see you, Lord, face to face. If that's you this morning and something that we talked about that you sense God speaking to you, would you just raise your hand to God and say, God, I get it. You're talking to me today.
Lord, I heard the words from uh, the pastor, but Lord, I heard words from you. Father, thankful that, that you speak to your people. With our heads bowed, eyes closed, if today you've never said yes to Jesus, we just want to give you an opportunity to do that. God wants to have a face-to-face -face relationship with you, but it starts with you saying yes to God. God already put out the offer. God has already extended his hand toward you. He's waiting for you to take it. If you're willing to take God's hand today, let's just tell him. That's you. Would you just pray? Father, today we come before you. And we're thankful that you extend your hand to us in Jesus. So Lord, today I open up my heart and I want to receive you as my Savior and my Lord. I take your hand, Lord Jesus. Would you lead me and guide me? Come live inside me today. Forgive me. Thank you that you died on the cross in my place. I put my trust in you. Help me to understand your will and your ways. Give me insight to the scriptures as I read them. And would you bring people along my pathway to encourage me and that I might encourage them. I say this now so that you can hear me, that you are my Savior and my Lord. Lord, I say these things so I can hear it and that, Lord, the world can hear. I belong to you in Jesus' name. God's people say, amen. amen. Hey, God bless you guys. Thanks for joining us this morning. Thank you for tuning in to the New Hope Kapolei Messages podcast. We hope you enjoyed this weekend's message and that it brought you inspiration and encouragement in your journey of faith. If you'd like to listen to more messages or stay connected with us, visit our website at newhopekapolei.org or follow us on social media. Remember, no matter where you are in life, there is always hope and a new beginning in Christ. So let's continue to grow and learn together as we pursue a life of purpose and impact. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time. Aloha and God bless.